0: Hey, hey ladies! You are listening to Bold Is, a women's ministry podcast with the goal of helping you learn the Bible verse by verse. We are currently treading through the Gospel of Mark and are so excited that you have started on this journey with us. Now before we get started, we wanted to let you know that everything we do in this ministry is 100% free with the exception of a few incentives for our financial supporters. These include discounts on our merchandise, additional resources on our website, and early access to all of our content. If you believe in what we are doing and would like to consider helping a few girls out, would you pray about joining us as a sponsor? We have plans ranging from a dollar a month to $25 a month. And with your donations, you're ensuring that we can give you, among other women, content to help you better understand your Bible. If you can't afford to help, we can definitely use your prayers. If you have learned anything from us, you will know for sure that ministry is hard. Like, really, really hard. But the blood, sweat, and tears put into it is completely erased when we see women eager to go deeper in their faith and help us change the way the world reads the Bible. Okay, friends, are you ready to dive in to Mark chapter 4? You are listening to Bold is a ministry podcast training women how to handle the Word of God. Buckle up, sis. It's about to get real. Here's your host, Megan Rawlings. All right. If you are new to our podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. You have found your tribe. You will always be welcome here. It is a safe place to learn and a safe place to ask questions. What we do is I will read a passage of scripture, and then we break it down verse by verse. We're going to attempt the entire fourth chapter of Mark today, so hold on tight because it's about to get wild. I will be reading from the New American Study Bible, also commonly referred to as the NASB today, if you are interested in following along with me. This is God-breathed and profitable for you. Starting in verse 1. He began to teach again by the sea. And such a very large crowd gathered to him, and he got into a boat in the sea and sat down. And the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and was saying to them in his teachings, Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow, as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and hundredfold. And he was saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. As soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables, so that while seeing, they may see and not perceive, and while hearing, they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? So Jesus is teaching by the sea again, and there is a crowd that begins to gather around him. Now, the Greek word that John Mark, who is the author of the Gospel of Mark, used here is not just a word for a big crowd, but rather refers to, um, think like a remarkably large crowd. So large, in fact, that he actually had to get into a boat that was floating in the water, not just like a random boat on shore, but in the water to teach them. Let that sink in. And yes, that pun was intended. (laughs) He starts teaching them in parables again too. And in verse 13, he asks them, Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? Okay? Then he continues on to explain to them. The sower sow the word. And just so you guys know, that is the word of God that he's talking about. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown, and when they hear immediately, Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in time. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy, and they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirty, sixty, and hundredfold. If you're not a farmer, you are in luck. Because I am not either, but <laughs> hear me out. My friend and teacher, Dr. Jim Girdwood, knew a thing or two about farming and was able to shed some light on this next part. First of all, the sower in the, Christ- the sower is the Christian who shares the word of God with others. The soil in this illustration is the state of the heart and the person hearing the word. So remember that as we explain a little bit more in detail what we're talking about with this parable. There are four types of hearts and four different ways that they accept the seed. The first is the hard heart. This is what we see in Mark chapter 4 verse 4 and then again whenever he's explaining it in verse 15. This heart is resistant to God's word. When seeds fall on hard soil, they are just lying on the surface and this allows the birds to grab it and take it away. Like the soil, the word will not penetrate the heart that is hardened. The exposition commentary says, Soil becomes hard when too many feet tread on it. Those who recklessly open their hearts to all kinds of people and influences are in danger of developing hard hearts. And then they tell us to go and check out Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Hard hearts must be plowed up before they can receive the seed, and this can be a painful experience. And they did a cross-reference with Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3 and Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Then we see the second heart, and this is what they call the shallow heart. This is what we see in verses 5 and 6, and then this is explained in verses 16 and 17. In Palestine, it is typical for the ground to be constructed of rock, and then there is a thin amount of soil that covers it. There's no depth for the seed to grow and nowhere for the roots to go, and therefore the plant does not last, but rather it dies. This represents what the Bible exposition commentary calls the emotional hearer. We can all identify with one of those or we've um, not identify with, but we've all know somebody like that. These folks will joyfully hear the good news and the word of God, but they do not grasp the full extent or the cost to be a follower. Have you ever met this person? I know I have. I've even been this person a time or two, but thank God he grabbed a hold of my heart. They are incredibly excited and full of passion. Their fire is burning very bright, but then persecution and trials come and their file diminishes faster than it started. W. W. Wiersbe once said of it, it is easy for fallen human nature to counterfeit religious feelings and give a professed Christian a feeling of false confidence. Then we have the third heart, and this is discussed in the parable um, and what the commentary mentioned earlier that I mentioned earlier calls the crowded heart. You see this in verse 7 and then again in verses 18 and 19. I'm going to read to you what they said because honestly I don't think I could explain it any better. This heart pictures the person who receives the word but does not truly repent and remove the weeds out of his or her heart. This here has too many different kinds of seeds growing in the soil. Seeds such as worldly cares, a desire for riches, a lust for things, and the good seed of the word has no room in which to grow. To change the image, this person wants to walk the broad way and the narrow way at the same time, but this cannot be done. And then finally, the last heart is the parable in the parable is the fruitful heart. This is in verse 8, and we see it again in verse 20. This heart is the representation of the person who is truly open to the Word of God, the real Christian. We are told in Galatians that they will know we are Christians by the fruit that we bear. If we're growing from seed into fruit-producing trees, we are showing evidence of our true salvation. There is no fruit-bearing of any sort with the other three hearts. These folks are just not truly born-again believers. Now listen to me. What I am about to say is very important. Your fruit is not going to grow at the exact same speed as other Christians. Each person is different. Slow growing fruit is still growing fruit. But please, for the love of everything good, do not compare your growth with others. Just keep pushing forward by pursuing God. Now let's keep going with chapter 4, starting in verse 21. And he was saying to them, a lamb is not brought to be put Is not brought up to be put under a basket, is it, or under a bed? Is it not brought to be put on the lampstand? For nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret, but that it would come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he was saying to them, take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you, and more will be given you besides. For whoever has, to him more shall be given and whoever does not have even what he has shall be taken away from him okay first of all the first time i heard this parable i was in children's ministry and my gigi has this gorgeous art deco lamp that had shades of blue and green in it with a ginormous lampshade <laughs> as the head and when they read this parable to me the question about hiding it under a basket was really tough for me to fathom the lamp was way too large to be hidden under any basket and the light would still be seen even if it was under the basket my poor childlike wonder right but just in case you were like me and thought about a 21st century lamp let me explain what the first century lamp actually looked like It typically was a clay dish that they would fill with oil, and within the oil, they would place a wick in it. In order for the lamp to give light, it had to use itself up. See? See what I did there? And then the oil would have to be replenished. Think of it kind of like a tiki torch, but for the inside. If it was covered or not replenished, it was of no use to the household. Remember, it's not like they could walk over to the wall and flip a switch for the lights to come on. This is how the entire family would see in the dark. The apostles were the lamps in this parable. Their job was to show the light of God and reveal the truth of it. Keep in mind, the more we hear the word, the better we are at sharing it. Let me say that again. The more we hear the word, the better we are at sharing it. This household is the world. They need the light, and in fact, they long for it. It is our job as Christians to make sure that the light is shed everywhere and casts out darkness, and we do this by proclaiming the gospel. Ladies, keeping the word of God to ourselves is like keeping this clay lamp under a basket. Pointless. Let's move on to verse 26. And he was saying, The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seeds upon the soil, and he goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, How shall we picture the kingdom of God, or by what parable shall we present it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the soil, though it is small, smaller, sorry, smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. With many such parables, he was speaking the word to them so far as they were able to hear it. Now, that's important. Remember that verse because we're going to talk more about that when it comes to um, the calming of the storm. So keep that in mind. That's verse 33. With many such parables, he was speaking the word to them so far as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. Okay. Okay. There are two separate parables in this section of the passage. The first teaches us that we cannot make the seed grow, nor can we explain how it grows. And just an FYI, I have been um, taking Greek tutoring classes for the past year and a half-ish. And let me tell you something. Greek is really hard, especially when you don't understand English grammar very well. And learning the words about like sickles coming out and all of that stuff was It was just crazy hard, and I just wanted to share that with you. So take heart in knowing that we don't always have it all, and we don't always get it the first time, but praise God for second chances, right, ladies? Okay, Um, the first parable here teaches us that we cannot make the seed grow, nor can we explain how it grows. There's this beautiful mystery to the idea of growth with the seed. And I like to call these sort of things the Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nines. 29. 29s. Um, and, and that verse says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of the law. To be a farmer, which the Great Commission calls us all to be, we have to have a great deal of patience and willingness to trust God. Girlfriend, that is so much easier said than done. Borrowing from W.W. Wearsby again, he says, The parable of the sower and the soils, the Lord suggests that much of the seed scattered would fall on unproductive soil. This fact could discourage his workers. So in this parable, he reassured them, In due season, we shall reap if we faint not. And that's um, a cross-reference with Galatians 6, 9. So take heart, even when your hard work isn't recognized immediately. God knows what he's doing. You just got to trust him. The second of the parables in this section is very famous, it's the parable of the mustard seed. Now, I've heard this sermon preached many times and I hope you were encouraged by what I'm about to say because there is so much truth to it. The mustard seed is more than likely the smallest seed that Jews would use in their farming, so that's why he used this example because he met them where they were. This seed represents small beginnings. Jesus started with 12 disciples and at his resurrection was seen by 500 eyewitnesses. Then thousands came to Christ in the book of Acts and so on and so on. Here's the thing, and remember, try to stay encouraged, friend. (laughs) We have to read this parable in light of the others that were taught that day. Remember the second heart, the shallow one? Many will hear the word of God, but it won't be life-changing. There are no roots for the seed to gain a foundation in their lives. Just take heart in knowing that your job is to scatter seed, not make it grow. I'm going to say that again. Your job is to scatter the seed, not make it grow. We're going to shift gears here from farming and head on over to sailing. And um, we're going to finish off this chapter 4. So let's go ahead and begin in verse 35. On that day when evening came, he said to them, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And there, across a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This section begins with on that day, which means that what is about to happen is the same day that Jesus taught the huge crowds. He not only taught the crowds, but he also taught the disciples. And this is where it gets fun. Do you remember when I told you in verse 33 to remember that? Okay, this is where it comes out. He taught them the word. And when we're taught lessons, what comes next? That's right, a test. So Weirner says, after all, the hearing of God's word is intended to produce faith. Romans ten seventeen, And faith must always be tested. It is not enough for us merely to learn a lesson or be able to repeat a teaching. We must also be able to practice the lesson by faith, and that is one reason why God permits trials to come to our lives. We must remember that these men were in the Sea of Galilee, okay? Because of its geographical location, it is nothing for a violent storm to come out of nowhere. Keep in mind, some of these disciples were experienced fishermen, yet they were terrified and fearing for their lives when the storm came. And it's evening. It was probably pretty dark, too. That helps us have a glimpse at just how violent and scary the storm was. The commentary we've been using today is excellent. (laughs) He points out that there are three reasons the disciples should have remained calm, and I'm going to share those with you right now. One, Jesus gave them his word that they were going to make it to the other side. In Mark chapter 3, verse 35, he says, On that day when evening came, he said to them, Let us go over to the other side. Two, Jesus was with them. They had witnessed him perform crazy miracles and yet lacked faith that he could handle the storm. And then three, Jesus was perfectly at peace. Asleep, as a matter of fact. Here's the thing. It is so easy For us to mock the disciples and their lack of bravery in the midst of the storm. But I am sitting comfortably in my house with great weather outside. I have never sailed across the Sea of Galilee in a first century boat at night in a storm. I probably would have panicked too. But doesn't this look like life today? The storm is another lesson for the disciples. And it's a lesson for us. There will be storms in life. And typically... We think they're brought on because we did something wrong. And yes, that is possible. Look at the story of Jonah. Then again, sometimes trials happen to simply show us where our faith stands, where we are at in our relationship with God. So the question is, are you in the boat freaking out because you've lost all control? Or are you in the bottom laying with Jesus realizing his promise he would provide for you? Jesus immediately arose and stopped the storm by simply telling it to stop. He spoke, and it ceased. But the storm was not the greatest danger. Someone once said, Our greatest problems are within us, not around us. Trust God even when the storm is knocking you around. Trust his word. Wow, ladies, I think we accomplished quite a bit in this episode. Thanks for hanging hanging in there with me until the end. I have a few things I want to let you know about. We have just ordered new merchandise and are so excited about what's coming in. My favorite shirt that the Bold Movement has says, Fluff is for Pillows, not Women's Ministry. And we are giving you a chance to win one. We will be giving away a free t-shirt to one of our listeners. You can enter by simply leaving us a five-star rating and a groovy review. (laughs) We're praying for you, bold one. Ladies, go out and be bold.